0: When you're eating a lot of processed junk, it's not hard to really gain a lot of fat and very little in terms of nutrients that are important, including vitamins, potassium, things you find in fruits and vegetables. You know, I always tell my own patients that, you know, the longer the shelf life, the shorter your life. You may have seen these very interesting classifications for foods these days, what's called ultra processed foods. And ultra processed foods are things like ramen noodles, right? The things that we paid 26 cents for in college. And, you know, that 26 cents, of course, wrecked uh, enormous amounts of havoc on us later in life to the tunes of thousands of dollars worth of damage.
1: Be sure to check us out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook and on YouTube, and right here on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms on Tuesday and Thursday. The exam room is raising your nutrition IQs five days a week. And I am so glad that you are here today, because we're going to be talking about something that is really an important subject, given the state of health not just here in America, but truly this is a global crisis. So the question of the day, is it possible to eat 4,000, 5,000, even 10,000 calories a day and still not be getting enough nutrients? It's hard to imagine that that could be the case. You would think that just by default, Almost, you eat that many calories, that much food, you're bound to be getting everything that you need, right? Not necessarily the case, because as you just heard, for more than 40% of America who is obese, struggling with their weight, they are coming up short in so many critical areas. And that's not anything that I thought about when I was binge eating and at the height of my food addiction, eating those 10,000 calories a day. But it is something that my guest, Dr. Andrew Friedman, has spent a great deal of time examining. And so today he is stepping into the exam room to share his insights with us. And I will tell you as a spoiler, it is another scathing indictment of the standard American diet that is robbing millions of their health and of a long life and so the question becomes is that trade-off for today's lunch the very lunch that dr freeman was talking about those 26 cents for an ultra cheap meal is that worth the thousands in medical expenses down the line something to think about as we examine this on the show today And so I'm so very glad that you're here to learn with us and raise your nutrition IQ as we dive into being overfed and undernourished. (music) Dr. Andrew Freeman, he is the Director of Cardiovascular Prevention and Wellness at National Jewish Health Dr. Freeman, welcome to the exam room.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here and really love what you and the Physicians Committee are doing.
1: When I first caught wind of this editorial that you wrote not too long ago, that was published in the Journal of American College of Cardiology, I was shocked because when you think about malnutrition, you think about people who may be suffering from bulimia or anorexia you think about malnutrition, you don't think about the person who's 300 or 400 pounds. But nonetheless, even though you've got 300 pounds difference between these two individuals, they have a lot in common here.
0: Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. There's a lot of um, linked concepts to unpack in this. But the truth is, you know, um, malnutrition indices are based on a number of uh, sort of abstract things, things like white blood cell counts and other things uh, as markers of what your body is capable of doing. And so Uh, I was uh, uh, one of the editorial comments on a paper that showed that significant malnutrition exists in obese people. You know, and we always joke, you see someone who weighs three, four five hundred pounds or more. And we're like, oh, malnourished over there. Right. But the truth is, they may actually be malnourished. And when you're eating a lot of processed junk, it's not hard to really gain a lot of fat Uh, And very little in terms of nutrients that are important, including vitamins, potassium, things you find in fruits and vegetables. You know, I always tell my own patients that, you know, the longer the shelf life, the shorter your life. (laughs) And uh, you may have seen these very interesting um, uh, classifications for foods these days was called ultra processed foods and ultra processed foods are things like, you know, ramen noodles, right, the things that we paid 26 cents for in college. And, you know, that 26 cents, of course, wrecked uh, enormous amounts of havoc on us later in life, you know, to the tunes of thousands of dollars worth of damage. But nonetheless, that kind of stuff is so readily available now
1: that, that that's what people are eating. Absolutely. Uh, and, And just to kind of paint the picture of how prevalent this is, this is the statement that really stood out to me. And I quote here, the World Health Organization states that worldwide, there are almost 2 billion people who are overweight or obese, and 462 million who are underweight. And I quote now, all of whom are considered malnourished. So again, I think back to when I was overweight, famously ate that 10,000 plus calorie a day diet. It just, it seems to me like, even though I'm eating uh, a 10,000 calories worth of junk food, just because of the volume of that, you would think that I would be getting everything that I need, but that's not even close to being the case.
0: Yeah, you know, it's surprising. You'd think that if you're eating a lot of calories that you're getting all the nutrients you need. Um, You know, I I always joke, uh, you know, One of the things that you probably hear all the time is, you know, if you're plant based, where do you get your protein? Right. And um, the truth is, in order to be protein deficient, especially in the United States, you have to be calorie deficient. So believe it or not, even in those obese people, the protein deficiency is exceedingly rare and and usually not present at all. Um, But you'd be surprised that there are a lot of these foods because they're not fresh fruits or vegetables have been stripped of many of their necessary macro and micronutrients like potassium, uh, calcium, even vitamin D is usually stripped away. So it's very interesting to just see this. You know, I would tell you that in my entire career, I've actually never treated protein deficiency in the United States. I did spend a month in Kenya. Um, and you know, when you saw calorie deficiency, you did see protein deficiency. You might remember those videos and commercials from the 1980s when people had, you know, what's called kawashi or those very swollen bellies because they were so malnourished. Um, You know, and here we are in a different, um, you know, sort of overall place in the world. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you read The Week magazine, but uh, I love it because it summarizes the world's sort of story every week in just a few pages. And in 2012, they published a really great headline, which showed that there is more health uh, issue from people being overweight than for being underweight and completely malnourished uh, for the first time ever in world history. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2012. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are in a really sad state right now, unfortunately.
1: Have have you or any of your colleagues been able to track uh, the prevalence of malnutrition with the rise of obesity rates over the years? You
0: no, know, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, that, that um, research that was done by my colleagues, I was just an editorial writer, um, they really did some amazing work there by cataloging just how, how prevalent this is. In terms of you know worldwide uh, uh, work and, and what's going on behind this, I, I don't think we've actually come up with an answer just yet, but a really great question.
1: And I mean, I decided to put this to the test. And so I, I logged into MyFitnessPal, and I was like, I'm skeptical. When I first read this, I'm like, I'm skeptical of of what's being said right now. But I'm going to hold this up to the camera and you can see, although I have far too much cholesterol and sodium um, and obviously fat, I-, I want for you to zero in on what it says. I hope you can read this about, that's a little bit blurry, but trust me on there. At one point it says potassium and you're supposed to get uh, roughly 3,500 milligrams of potassium per day. Um, I was only getting 150 150, despite the fact I was taking in all of that fat, all of those calories, and just eating enough food to feed an army. Amazing. What are the most common nutrient deficiencies that have been identified among people who are struggling with their weight?
0: Yeah. So, you know, there, there I don't know if there's a specific answer per se, but I would tell you that um, potassium is a major nutrient of concern. And the reason is, is that we know that when people have a potassium poor diet, they usually end up having things like high blood pressure and higher rates of heart disease. And and where does potassium really come from? It comes from fruits, vegetables, you know, all those things that we're supposed to eat in large quantities. You know, uh, most people don't know this, but if you look up at the U.S. RDA, the recommended daily allowances, you know, you're supposed to have somewhere between five and 13 servings of fruit uh, and vegetables per day or more. Um, And most Americans aren't even getting that. So you can imagine that it's super easy to to be low in potassium, you know, um, eating mushrooms every day, right? Uh, If you're able to get them in vitamin D. Uh, Think about those dark green leafy vegetables that we all love. Not only are they loaded with protein uh, pound for pound, uh, but they're loaded with all sorts of nutrients that a lot of people just don't get regularly. So I encourage people, uh, you know, even single people, to shop at the Costco or, or Sam's Club or one of these big warehouse stores and, and buy their produce in large quantities and try to challenge themselves to eat you know, 10 apples a week and 10 oranges a week in a, in a, a plastic tub of uh, spinach or whatever, um, and, and surprisingly, when people do this, the results are extraordinary. I mean, my favorite thing to do in a cardiology clinic is to take people off of their medication you know, and when their blood pressure was high to begin with, they make some changes in their diet, their exercise, uh, and then I can take them off their pills. Think about how powerful that is. Uh, And a lot of times it's through nothing more than, you know, swapping out spinach for ramen noodles or whatever it may be. So very powerful approach.
1: And how, I mean, this to me, like I said, it just blew my mind. But I know one of the things that you wrote about was the fact that a lot of people feel that way, including many of your colleagues in the medical profession. Why is it that there is this disconnect between the standard American diet and the lack of whole foods and obviously all of the nutrients that you need? uh, Whereas, I mean, we're so focused on, obviously, if you're not eating enough and you're anorexic or you're bulimic, we know for a fact that you're not getting it. But why is it that the medical profession isn't viewing obesity in the same light?
0: Well, it's not only obesity, they're just not viewing lifestyle medicine as a tool of great power. I mean, think about this, right? So uh, a few years ago, uh, a a couple of our colleagues, we surveyed a thousand cardiologists. And it turns out that even though we're asked about uh, nutrition virtually every day, um, 90% of us know little to nothing about nutrition at all. And the reason for that is we're not trained with it, right? So if you don't get trained on something, you don't know how to use it in your arsenal. And then even better is, In this country, sadly, um, you know, we're paid when people are sick, right? So one of my colleagues is bold enough to say to some of his most difficult patients, look, I don't care what you eat, right? If you eat poorly, I get paid more, Uh, which is a terrible thing to say, A, but B, surprisingly true. Um, And unfortunately, um, you know, which is sexier, right? Telling people to have peas and carrots or or putting in the new robotic-assisted percutaneous valve, <laughs> um, and, and, the answer is usually, you know, these fancy new medicines and procedures are really cool and very effective, um, and cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars versus making dietary changes. You know, think about this way, you know, you may have seen th- this uh, meme on the internet, but I-, I love sharing it, right? It's a doctor talking with his patient and he says, what would you like to do? Would you like me to strip out a, a vein from your leg rip open your chest, uh, you know, disable you for a couple of months while we do bypass surgery, or do you want to eat uh, just plants? And the patient looks at him with wide eyes and says, uh, I think I might have to go with the surgery, right? Because people see the dietary changes as a major um, procedure. But the truth is it's easier than ever to be plant-based, especially in the United States, but all over the world now, there are pockets of enlightened folks and, um, you know, to get back to your point, you know, at the American College of Cardiology, you know, five, six years ago, there was no nutrition or lifestyle work group. I, I founded it and actually now I've passed on the, the chair sh- uh, to, to my next colleague, you know, and there's probably about 50 or 60 of us that are part of this group in the, in the whole American College of Cardiology, which is, you know, in the range of 45,000, 50,000 cardiologists. So you can imagine that we are just a tiny little minority. And the truth is, in this day and age where healthcare costs are outrageous, where people are becoming bigger and bigger despite, uh, you know, interventions, where disease is higher than ever, where heart disease is starting to creep up again, shouldn't we arm ourselves with every possible tool in the arsenal? And the answer, of course, is yes, but people aren't necessarily doing it. And unfortunately, we're ending up in a place where, you know, more and more medicine, more and more surgeries, more and more procedures that are potentially avoidable, um, you know, could, we could have made some big changes, and we 're not
1: have you actually taken the time to think about why it is that for so many of us, that dietary change seems like the ultimate insurmountable obstacle. Um and why people would opt? It, it, you talked about that meme, but it, like that is deadly serious. I mean, that is that is it why people would opt for such an invasive procedure versus dietary change? Have you guys taken a second, or, or I mean, longer than that, just to really contemplate why that is such a hurdle for people to clear?
0: Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is this. You know, if you if you go back in time, right? You'd visit with your doctor. I'm sure when you were significantly overweight, your doctor said to you hey, Chuck, you need to lose weight and exercise. See you next time, right? And you'd come back and you had either gained weight, not lost weight, done none none of it, right? But what if your doctor had held your hand and said, hey, first, I want you to watch a bunch of these documentaries. I want you to get inspired. I want you to read about this. I wanna plug you into Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, their their vegan kickstart. Um, I wanna introduce you to a nutritionist. I wanna introduce you to a support group. I'm actually gonna walk with you on a weekend, which I do still walk with a doc. Uh, I'm gonna do all this stuff, to hold your hand through this process, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, you know, rising on the shoulders of giants, but, you know, somebody has to help you get up there first and then you can rise. And I think a lot of us, uh, you know, we pay lifestyle medicine lip service. But at the end of the day, when you say to your patient, I want you to eat better, I want you to exercise, what does that really mean? And I think that's where, you know, docs who have some specific training, Docs who are motivated to incorporate these sort of waves of wellness in their healthcare institution can transform patients. And probably the most transformative thing that I do is something called intensive cardiac rehab. Now, I I don't know, Chuck, did I ever talk to you about this before? I can't remember.
1: That sounds like a new concept to me.
0: Yeah, so as you may or may not know, um, if you have heart surgery, if you have bypass, if you have stents, valve surgery, if you have heart failure, if you have chronic angina, you know, debilitating chest pain, you can qualify for cardiac rehab and in some parts of the country, there is also intensive cardiac rehab, which is also covered by Medicare and all of the various insurances. And you may know that there are two providers for intensive cardiac rehab names, you know, Ornish and Pritikin. Um, And the uh, Ornish program is what we started here in Denver Uh, and it's a great program, right? So you come in and rather than just, you know, doing supervised exercise with a little bit of counseling, it is four hours twice a week for nine weeks for two months. And in those four hours, you do an hour of exercise, an hour of plant-based nutrition. So we have a plant-based RD, registered dietitian, who teaches patients how to eat, gives them a meal, um, you know, gives them tips on how to shop, how to eat out, et cetera. Uh, Recipes are shared frequently. We do an hour of group support, uh, and we do an hour of stress relief mindfulness meditation. So it sounds like a spa, right? But it's covered by insurance. And you go through this program, and sadly, you have to be sort of sick to get in. Uh, But you go through this program and after nine weeks, most people who continue on this program, which is most of them, are incredibly better. I mean, I'm talking about blood pressure down, cholesterol way down, weight down, mental status and mental state way up, uh, fitness levels way up. And it really is a kickstart where we hold the hands of patients, show them how to undo, you know, 60 years or more of lifestyle poor choices. And all of a sudden you have people who have drastically and radically transformed for the better you know, this program, I'd love to give it to people who are in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s, you know, and if you're lucky enough to live in places like California and actually in DC in some places, you know, you can get plant-based foods in your schools, in your prisons, believe it or not, in your hospitals, you know, and and in in other places like Colorado, I've had to fight very hard to get a plant-based option, uh, you know, instituted on the menu. And of course, it still exists side by side with bacon, which of course, as we know, is as cancer-causing as cigarettes. Um, But, you know, we can't remove it from the hospital menu because it's considered a, a profit center, which is sad.
1: You talk about this rehab, and obviously the approach there is far different than probably any of the gimmick diets that these patients have tried previously, whether it's Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or Keto, whatever the case may be. The long-term success rate for those gimmicky diets, I would imagine is not very high. What have you noticed as far as those patients who successfully complete the rehab process with you? Because this is far different than just giving them a diet on a sheet of paper. You're really unveiling a whole new lifestyle.
0: Right. And I try to stay away from the word diet. And, and the reason is, is that people say, hear the word diet and they say, oh, well, I can do that for a few weeks or a few months or whatever. Um, I want people to see this as a lifestyle. It's kind of like, you know, just like I'm not eating my keyboard and the pieces of paper around me, you know, the, when a hamburger crosses my desk, it, it's not food to me. I don't see this food. I don't want to eat it. Um, and I want patients to get into that mode, that habit, if you will. Um, you know, and people will say to me, well, doc, do you do this? And I tell my own story, right? I think I shared with you on the first time, you know, I did this myself and dropped 30 pounds and redid my life insurance physical and got a rebate check in the mail. <laughs> patients are always like, oh, I guess it really does work. And, you know, and and I would tell you that the results are extraordinary. You know, I myself this morning got up early, you know, did a Peloton bike and, uh, you know, eat a plant-based breakfast. um, And here I am, right? And I want people to do the same thing and just make it part of their lifestyle as opposed to a diet. Now, if you look at many of the commercially available diet programs, Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, Weight Watchers, they all work in unique ways, but by and large, they're basically restricting portion sizes except for fruits and vegetables, which should be a hint that those are the good things, right? So, you know, if you're loading up on fruits and vegetables, many times you get zero points or they don't count against your, your food total for the day or whatever it may be. You know, so I tell people load up on these things, right? So in, when you have a, a, a need for a sweet, you know, go slice up a honeycrisp apple uh, or eat some carrots or whatever it may be. Um, you know, but I, I think that they work to help people lose weight. But, you know, as soon as that portion control goes away, there's a problem. And then many of those uh, dietary programs also have meals. And the way those meals work is they're actually very small portions of less than good food. Um, You know, processed stuff, which I don't want people to eat either. Um, You know, when it comes to keto, I I will tell you for sure, people on a keto diet do lose weight. And I think a lot of reason that they lose weight is they cut out all the junk, right? The garbage carbs or what I affectionately call garbage, right? There's a lot of that in our diets. Even plant-based diets can be loaded with that stuff. Um, and when you get rid of that, it, it, it you know, your weight goes down. And then when you're on a ketogenic diet, um, you know, it may help you lose weight. Although I've certainly had patients who've not only lost weight, but have had trouble regulating their diabetes or have had, you know, a worsening angina, incredibly high cholesterol. Uh, they don't feel great. Their gut health hasn't been good. You know, every so often I, I run into a person who can do keto for the long term and feels good, looks good, and their numbers are good. But I don't think that we are wired to eat that way. Um, in fact, if you go back in time... More and more records are suggesting that uh, we live predominantly on a a grain and and fruit and vegetable gatherer as opposed to hunter type of diet. Um, And I suspect that's probably true. You know, and then in terms of intermittent fasting, which is another um, sort of hot topic, I think that's probably physiologic. Right. If you look back in time, you know, you may not have, you know, when you were crossing through a desert, right, there weren't berries and fruits and tubers and all these things around. So you probably didn't eat for a day uh, or so. And then you would find stuff and you would, you know, store up again. And I think that that may be helpful. So for my patients who are really struggling with weight loss, um, I put them on a plant-based whole food, low-fat diet. And then I also will start to restrict the time that they eat, Um, sometimes between, say, 11 a.m. and 5 p.m., you know, and tell them that they can have water or unsweetened tea, unsweetened coffee throughout the day. Um, And then when they want uh, to eat, just to eat between 11 and 5 and then not to gorge themselves Um, But by and large, most of the gimmicky diets don't work in the long term. Uh, None of the diets that are out there are any better at at calorie restriction. Uh, But there are significant signals in the plant based world that people who follow that diet seem to maintain their slimness longer, um, especially if they maintain on that diet. So I'm a big fan, as you can tell.
1: Absolutely. Um, So how long have you been running this this rehab program?
0: Uh, we started about say three or four years ago, um, you know, and COVID has given us our own challenges and social distancing and all this other stuff, but we've probably put through um, in the range of about 500 people at this point. Wow. And, and wow. the results are truly incredible. I mean, people go back to their doc and, you know, I always tell people intensive cardiac rehab for all intents and purposes is a black box, right? You give us your very challenged, difficult patients in one side, and then they come through and out comes shiny diamonds And the truth is, especially for the primary care doctors, they love that their A1C, their diabetes are down, their CRP, their measure of inflammation is down, their blood pressure is down, they're in a better mood, they're exercising regularly. I mean, these are amazing things that you can't get from pills.
1: And I would imagine along with educating the patients, you you were just talking about it, it sounds like you're educating the physicians as well. So that's a bonus
0: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of naysayers out there who will say, oh, that won't work, or I've tried that, or I've been in practice for 50 years and this won't work. You know, the truth is if you're not trained in this way, you can't do it well. It's hard to champion something that you're not knowledgeable in, right? Imagine that you went to a cardiologist who wasn't trained in cardiology. I mean, that would be weird, right? So same thing, you know, one of the tools in our arsenal should be this. And so, yes, when I send a patient back to a doctor, particularly a naysayer, um, and they look at their patient and They're like, Oh, my God, how did you drop 25 pounds? And how is your blood pressure normal? Uh, and the answer is, well, I've been eating fruits and vegetables, exercising, working on stress and connecting with others. Uh, they all look at it, you know, like, Oh, that's weird. How does that work? Um, and the truth is, that, you know, there's some real, it's almost magical. Um, you know, you know, a, a lot of people would tell you that science was magic until we really understand, understood what, what was behind it. And I mm-hmm. think we're starting to understand what's behind this approach.
1: Have you been able to keep up with some of your first patients who went through this uh, three, four years ago? How are they doing today?
0: Yeah, you know, the truth is when you get somebody who's truly committed to this, and that's not an everyday thing, um, you know, they stick with their clinicians, their providers. And so, you know, for the people who have stuck with it, it is truly extraordinary. Um, You know, to this day, many of them have maintained their weight, their blood pressure's down, they're off their pills, they feel great. You know, one of the more common things that I get uh, and you'll get a kick out of this is um, the patients come back and say, you know, look, my friends are all telling me that I don't look like I'm aging anymore. And there must be something magical here. And there's been some data published that shows that aging may slow down when you follow this sort of anti-inflammatory plant-based diet. You know, but when you're 60 or 70 and everyone around you is looking like they're 80 or 90 and you're not aging as well, people are, are surprised. I mean, think about this, right? People come to me and say, oh, my God, you look like a little kid, doc. How, how long have you been in practice? you know, and I tell them, well, I've been, you know, in medicine, uh, you know, I graduated from medical school in 2003, right? So here we are in 2021. So I've been in practice for a long time, um, you know, and, and I have four kids and people are like, wow, how do you have, you know, I can't imagine how does life like that? You know, and I think, um, you know, lifestyle says a lot, you know, granted there's genes and all these things that we can't control, but, you know, it's pretty amazing when you, when you, when you see people who were so less vibrant, Become vibrant again, even in their later ages.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I was watching uh, as we tape this. We're in the middle of the NFL playoffs and watching um, uh, Tom Brady play this past weekend. And he's forty-two years old. They did a side-by-side photo comparison of him versus a uh, old quarterback by the name of George Blanda. And now this photo was taken, you know, some thirty plus years ago. Both of them at forty-two years of age. Tom Brady looked like he was about 30. George Blanda looked like he was about 55, 60 years old. I mean, could have pulled off being a brother to the Marlboro man back in the day. It was just unbelievable. And then you think about, well, how clean Brady's diet is. He's not 100% plant-based, but he is awfully close. And you see not only the results on the field and how he's just kind of defying time there, but certainly in the looks category as well, it's just remarkable.
0: Well, you'll get a kick out of this. You may know this, but um, a lot of times after the NFL players retire, they actually suffer significant heart disease. You know, I had the privilege a couple years ago of reading many of the echoes of retired um, NFL players. Uh, Echoes are the ultrasounds of their hearts. And there's a lot of disease in relatively young people in their 50s and even 60s. Um, And so I would tell you that, you know, what happens is when you're a football player and you're eating, you know, three dozen eggs a day and five chicken breasts every meal and you know, when you're exercising hard and lifting a thousand pounds, it's probably relatively easy to stay in decently good shape. But if you maintain that lifestyle and you're not exercising as hard as you were, you can imagine things go downhill very rapidly. And I've certainly seen that in my retired pro athletes, um, for the ones that do make these changes where they maintain their physical activity, they eat better, they eat cleaner, they eat, live cleaner, they always do better. But the ones who kind of continue on the, the track uh, are doing worse. Fortunately, you know, with the movie Game Changers and a number of other uh, people like Tom Brady and others, you know, people are now starting to say, wow, how is that guy doing so well? He's 42, right? He's considered he's considered geriatric in the NFL, and yet he's still playing. Um, and so the answer to these questions, are, I think, are really in, in how people live and how they train. And maybe you don't need to be 500 pounds to be the best football player. And maybe you don't need to eat three dozen eggs a day. So.
1: And, as we wrap up, I want to go back to the original topic, and that's obesity and malnutrition. I'm curious, in the patients who you've worked with, what are some of the more common nutrient deficiencies that you've been able to identify?
0: So, you know, I check vitamin D pretty routinely, um, and that's actually just because people are inside and sedentary, um, extremely low, very commonly. We know that vitamin D, an important nutrient that has all sorts of effects on muscles and bones, but also appears to have some protection against COVID susceptibility, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so people who have lower vitamin D levels might uh, be more susceptible. So I think that one's an important one. Uh, B12. And some folks, if they're not taking supplements can be quite low, especially if they're not um, eating animal products uh, and those that are eating animal products, typically it's not very low, but it's also not very high. Um, I've seen calcium deficiencies, magnesium deficiencies, Uh, Certainly potassium deficiency. You know, I don't routinely check micronutrients. There's a whole, I mean, there's hundreds of them that we can check uh, unless there's a specific issue. Uh, Typically more naturopathic doctors are are following that type of a trend. Uh, But by and large, it's amazing to see uh, the transition from somebody who's eating poorly to somebody who's eating well. Uh, They transition very quickly to a very healthful state.
1: It let's. Uh, I mean, can we quantify that, you know, put a length on it? Um, oh, how everybody always wants to know how quickly you can lose weight, but let's talk about getting those calcium levels up, those vitamin D levels up, the potassium levels up once yeah. they transition to eating a more healthy diet.
0: Yeah, we're talking about weeks, you know, three to four weeks. Um, I've seen people lose weight, um, improve their energy level. They start to get that like life glow, if that makes sense. You know, when somebody looks freshly showered and they're excited to be alive, like that comes back to people. Uh, so I, I say I, I would say that I see it in, in literally it starts happening in a couple of weeks. And usually if I see them back in a month, uh, the results are there. Um, you know, and again, they haven't gone from 500 pounds to 150 in, in a month. Uh, but some people have lost 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 pounds in a month. You know, it's amazing. I take care of people who drink literally 12 cans of soda a day. When you cut that out, the amount of uh, calories that are in that literally just disappear. And so people drop weight so rapidly if they are a soda addict.
1: And last question, I want to leave people feeling inspired here uh, because no matter how much science we talk about, no matter how many numbers we throw at them, um, if they don't hear of a specific example, uh, they just don't believe it themselves. What patient in all of your years uh, preaching the gospel, so to speak, of a plant-based diet, which patient's transformation has really stood out to you? Talk to me about the health change there.
0: Yeah. So I took care of a guy, I actually presented him at the, um, uh, physicians committee conference, um, in Washington, DC a couple of years ago, but he was a guy in his forties who had had a car crash as a result of an arrhythmia from heart failure. And he was in his forties, massively obese, untreated sleep apnea, untreated hypertension, untreated dyslipidemia. So high cholesterol, his heart was weak. Um, he came to see me, uh, and I immediately changed so many of his lifestyles <clears throat> habits. And literally within three months, uh, he was markedly better, dropped a ton of weight. And then within six months, his heart failure was gone. His blood pressure was normal. His cholesterol was normal. His diabetes was in remission. His sleep apnea was treated, uh, which he was doing with a a mask at night. Uh, And as his weight has gone down, we're planning on rechecking his sleep apnea to see if it's gone away. Uh, But by and large, uh, you know, you take somebody like that who literally has a, a major car wreck as a result of a heart condition. And he's in his 40s and you transition him back to normalcy. Not only have you given him normal longevity, right? He can live a normal lifespan now, uh, but you've given him his quality of life back. You know, imagine being in your 40s and feeling like crap. That would be terrible. Um, and here he is back to normal. So
1: that's my my greatest transition, I think. Outstanding, And, you know, people think it it can't be me. I could never possibly do that. But I'm guessing this guy isn't Superman. He's a gentleman who had a wake-up call and implemented changes, and we see the results.
0: Yeah, I always tell people there's two ways to learn, right? Pleasure and pain. Some people are excited by doing well and feeling good, and some people need to nearly die before they make these
1: changes. And I hope that for everyone listening that you don't wait until you nearly die. Amen to that, my friend. Amen to that. Dr. Andrew Freeman, give him a follow on Twitter at HeartCureDoc. Check out his website, vegancardiologist.com. Congratulations on getting that domain. That is just fantastic.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: And that is the jam that we find ourselves in. It is possible to eat way too much food, way too many calories, way too much fat, and still get way short of the amount of healthy nutrients that you need. Sadly, that is the standard for the standard American diet. But if you have learned anything from listening to the show for any length of time, it is that it does not have to be that way. That's why I greatly appreciate Dr. Freeman's insight today. And if you would like to check out an editorial that he wrote about this, you can find a link to do that in the episode notes. Also, if you are ready to take charge of your diet, take a hard look At what it is that you are eating and find some areas that you would like to improve even if you're not eating those four and five thousand calorie a day diets even if you're well within the two thousand calorie target there's always room for improvement and my friends and my colleagues up at the barnard medical center would love to help get you going on a healthier future Telemedicine visits are available with the doctors and dietitians there who put nutrition first and who put a premium on plant-based nutrition. So if you are ready to take charge of your health with a telemedicine visit today, All you need to do is pick up the phone, call 202-527-7500 to schedule an appointment or do so online at barnardmedical.org, 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org. There is a link in the episode notes. Insurance is accepted and online you can find a full list of states where services are available. And also today, I have a big favor to ask. The Exam Room. This very podcast has been nominated for Best Vegan Podcast of the Year by Veg News, and the polls are open until January 31st, 2021. And if you have not yet done so, if you could just take a moment to cast your vote for the Exam Room, we would greatly appreciate it. We have tried so hard to help raise the nutrition IQs of so many in need this past year and we would love your support to keep that going into the new year. Take a moment, vote for the Exam Room as the best vegan podcast of 2020 by Veg News. You can find a link in the episode notes. The best podcast category is actually number 56 in a long line of categories. Lots of nominations on there, lots of categories, but you don't have to answer all of them. You can skip right down to 56 and cast your vote. And oh, by the way, in the 55th category, Dr. Neil Barnard also happens to be up for an award. So head over there, click the link right now in the episode notes or visit vegnews.com to cast your vote. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Andrew Freeman for joining us here today. What a great conversation that was. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.